Hello and welcome to Think About Eurovision podcast, a podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic from Britain. And me, Kim, a Canadian Eurovision newbie. Today we're going to be talking about the 2014 Eurovision Song Contest finale. So, you've watched it now? What's your first impression? Okay, my first impression is I love Eurovision and I am so happy to have this in my life now. I really, really loved it. It was um, really kind of everything that I hoped and expected it to be. Um, I will say that uh, I watched it in two uh, breaks because it was very long um, but I, I do think that next time I'm going to try to watch it all in one fell swoop. I'm going to make it a party because, uh, you know, I just like, I love the momentum build throughout the whole thing. And then I was very invested in the points, the points awarding. Like it was really fun. I think next time I'm going to have a few drinkies. It might affect my, um, note taking ability. <laughs> I've got some good news for you there. What? Because as a heads up for all the listeners at home listening, Next time, we'll be talking about the 1957 concert. Yeah, we're going all the way back. It's almost a start. Almost a start. 1956 was mostly on radio. And there's the snips of of footage from 1956. But the 1957 one, the full thing is on YouTube. It's a bit ropey quality. It's, I mean, it's 65 years old. It's not going to be wonderful. (laughs) It's an hour long. Oh, an hour long. That is a big difference. Yeah, so you're gonna to, you're not gonna have much time to get drunk if you start drinking when it starts. So you know, pre drinks is the uh, keyword. Drinks. <laughs> That's the way to do it. But yes, I uh, I really really loved it. I cannot wait for more. Uh, I had a lot of fun. The songs themselves and the performances themselves. I have opinions. There were some I loved. There were some some I did not. Um, but I think that that is uh, that's all part of the fun. And so, Chris, where does um 2014 rank in terms of your you know your your top Eurovision years? I would say it's definitely in the top three for recent uh, Eurovisions. Uh, nice. I mean. Bear in mind, most even though I've been watching Eurovision since the late 1990s, there's been ones before that that I've never seen, and it could be it could um, turn out ones from earlier on. Once we come to them with recording the podcast, they might jump to the top for me. Sure. But at the moment, as it stands, the ones that are in more recent memory are the ones that are more memorable for me because uh, they're the ones that I've um, the ones I better remember. Yeah. So I would say from the 2010s contest, that's when I became a real fan of Eurovision in 2010s. That's when it really sort of, I really latched onto it. Yes. So I would say 2014, probably top three. Um, if, uh, over a year that Sweden hosted with Mons and Pietra. I can't remember the year off the top of my head. That's probably my favourite year. We will be coming to okay. that sometime. Mm-hmm. And last year's competition was great too oh good i'm excited songs last year 
Um, and so I found this to be a real nail biter in terms of the results. Like there was a there were a couple of countries that were really going head to head. Is it always that level of of closeness in terms of the race? Although in this case, they actually were able to call it early before they even announced all countries points. So maybe I felt it was a nail biter and it really wasn't that much. See, I hate when they, when uh, they used to do that sometimes uh, they've changed it now. So it can't be. The winner can't be sort of told ahead of time. Yeah, I think I like that better. Yeah. No one can overtake um, Austria, who it was this year. Uh, yeah. So Austria's won. But let's hear some more points. I find that really underwhelming. Uh, yeah. The way we do it now in the current contest in the last few years, much more interesting. We'll come to that when we do one of those years. Okay. Uh, but that was that's one of the things I found underwhelming about the 2014 year is we've done the maths. Austria's won. Now let's go to another country for their points. Like, what's the point? Yeah, I will. I will agree with that for sure. It was a nail biter right up until it wasn't, and then it was like wah, wah, when, yeah. <laughs> when they when they did the other countries' points, which was probably disappointing for those countries who were still awarding points to at that point. Be like, well, these mean nothing. But one, here you one go. of the um, the uh, spokespeople actually said, "We're not going to change the scoreboard, but here's our points anyway." Oh, they, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Oh, um, so uh, on a side note, I recognized uh, the one of the hosts immediately as Euron Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. Pilou. Oh, okay. I will take your word for because I've never seen Game of Thrones. Have you not? No. It, it's actually hilarious because, um, so the character that he plays in Game of Thr- Thrones, Euron Greyjoy, um, is an absolute terror he's horrible he's like i don't know he's he's you know not the worst game of thrones had some pretty terrible bad guys but he was like such a bad guy and um pilu whose last name i don't remember i'm so sorry uh he was a delight he was it was really funny to see him in this very congenial hosting mode when the only other thing that i've seen him in is like you know being a terrible murderer on a show full of murderers, Game of Thrones. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, in general, though, I will say also that it was um, kind of funny to me. I wasn't used to not having a host in between the songs. It was just kind of like song after song after song. And normally in, you know, the song contests that I'm more familiar with, generally the, you know, American ones like American Idol and what whatnot, between each uh, competitor, there is a host that's saying like, okay, next up we have from the country of, or sorry, I mean, not in the <laughs> case of American Idol, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, the hosts were relatively, you know, sparse until the end when the... When, when the results were being announced. But I guess what you got with shows like that is you've got maybe two hours of TV time to fill, eight songs. Yes. The, and the sob stories that come in between. I know, a lot of those. Yeah, you're That's right. That's a good thing about Eurovision, no sob stories. I don't miss it. I like it much better <laughs> without, I have to tell you. Um, but like, so there on the YouTube version that we watched, it was three hours and 40 minutes long, give or take. Mm-hmm. And that was without any advertisements. So would it, this normally be like a five hour long broadcast? No, that is the actual length of the broadcast. So at times when they cut away to the hosts, um, so you're in the middle bit where the, um, where they had like a break between halfway through the songs. Yeah. Some countries where they have advertisements in the show, that's where they put them in. 
Oh, so there would be long stretches of show with no commercials yeah. at all. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so there are in some countries where there are um, adverts com- commercials in there, but as a Brit watching it, I'm I've never seen it with adverts because we have it on the BBC. There's no advertisement there. That's when we sometimes get the bits to camera from the hosts, the bits in the green room uh, with the host right. in the green room, and some of the terrible, terrible skits. They're also advertisement breaks <laughs> in other countries. Right. <laughs> gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean, so at at times, and I mean this in a positive way, even though it isn't going to sound it, but it felt like an assault, <laughs> like on the senses. It was this never ending wave of entertainment. And so uh, like it, it was great. I really wish that I had watched the whole thing in one sitting, maybe with short breaks, but without like I actually... Um, there were several days in between when I watched the first half and when I finished it. And, um, next time I will try not to do that if I'm able, um, just so that I can get the full experience of like the momentum building throughout the whole show. But, but yeah, it's a long show. I'll have to like block out some time. The later ones are even longer. The last one was four hours. Wow. Yeah. And so, okay, so this is just the finale. So just to kind of paint the scene for me a little bit, that as a viewer who has been experiencing this throughout the entire season, you would have heard these songs that are featured in this finale over and over again through the national competition, the national finales, through the semifinals, and then finally through this one, right? So these would be very familiar songs to you as a fan. Yeah, so I've got... Hold my hands up. I'm a terrible fan. I've not yet ever seen one of the national finals other than the British ones, just because I'm not tech savvy enough to find out how to watch them. So please, uh, people listening, when it comes to national final selection time, help me out with links so I can be the super fan that I want to be in my heart. But I, as soon as the songs are announced, I am listening to them. I have them on my Spotify playlist as soon as they're on Spotify. So by by the time it comes around to uh, the semifinals and then the final, I've heard them multiple times. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I I guess it probably would be uh, challenging and pretty time consuming if you were someone who were trying to experience the national uh, finals from every country that is participating. Uh, So it's nice that they announce the songs in advance. They're available to you in advance before you before they perform at the semifinals, yeah. uh, which it would be the first time then that all countries are performing together at the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. a lot of people, the, the semifinal and for even more people, the final is the first time they hear the songs because some people are casual viewers. Right. Sure. Not everyone's yeah, a hardcore but... fan who goes searching out the songs as soon as they come out. Right. Yes. Well, I mean, it it was uh, it was a lot, uh, but in a great way. And so what I did, Chris, uh, was I did my own as if I were a judge from Canada. I did my own ranking as I went. And um, it was tough. They were tough to, (laughs) you know, to like to rank. I did go back and watch some of the performances more than one to be like, did I like this one better or this one better? (laughs) Like an optician. What's that? Like an optician. Did it, this yes, one and be like, or this one? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> camera one, camera two. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I definitely had a hard time. But the ones that were my favorites were very easily my favorites. And so you had a prediction, actually, of which one would be my favorite. Do you want to tell me what one that is? Um, I think your favorite song is the Netherlands song, Calm After <gasps> the Storm by the Common Linnets. How right am I? You're so right. <laughs> it's hilarious. We have never met in person, and yet you know me so well. <laughs> you told me that you like 
mawkish people singing at each other's faces. <laughs> and that is what that was. It was so good. That was the only song, honestly, where I really made note of who was performing and I immediately sought them out on... Uh, well, I mean, like I just Googled them and looked for more music and, you know, because that is that was one of the only songs that I felt that I would listen to in my day to day life. Eurovision or no, if I heard that song on the radio, I would be like, give me this album immediately. And um, guess how I feel about that song? Not good. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. It's nice. I think that we have completely different uh, tastes because it makes for an interesting conversation. And so you'll can get I... to see Waylon from the Common Linnets when we cover the 2018 contest because he represented uh, the Netherlands again in 2018 solo. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm excited for that. Um, an early favorite of mine going into 2018. Then. <laughs> can I? Um, can I award my points from Canada? Do you want to go go ahead and award them? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm just going to do the top three. We'll talk about like where I ranked in my top ten, but from Canada. Our eight points goes to Austria. Our 10 points goes to Sweden. And our 12 points goes to the Netherlands. I am so shocked. (laughs) (laughs) So I, my top three were the top three, but not in the, not in the same order. In the wrong order. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then interestingly, like the the rest of their top 10, uh, for the most part, ranked very low in my ra- rankings. So um, those that um, that I ranked really high in the top three were the same. But then I had a really, really different opinion than a lot of the rest of the top ones. And then everything else was sort of a smattering in the middle. So it was weird. I yeah. was on... Polar opposite and yet completely the same wavelength as the other voting countries. If we all had the same things, life would be very boring, though, wouldn't it? So true. So true. So why don't you tell me, what are your top three from this season? My top three. I'm, I'm going to have to say Conchita, Rise yes. Like a Phoenix, my number one from the year. Sure. I am also a big fan of Donatan and Cleo. Uh, I can't speak Polish. We are Slavic. Oh my God, that was my number six. I ranked them very high. I loved it. How did you feel about that uh, performance? I I loved it. Come on, <laughs> butter churners. Churn that butter sexily. I was very down for that performance. I loved it. I tried recreating that performance um for a com- for a competition to win tickets to next year's Eurovision. Sadly, I did not win. I think I was robbed. <laughs> um is this videoed? I want to see this, Chris. I will pop it in the show notes. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious and amazing. I'm sorry, that was a big reaction, but I think it's warranted. I can't wait to watch it. And Paula mm. Punk, No Prejudice. Sung by oh. Iceland. Oh, can I talk about Iceland for go. a minute? Yes, go for it. Okay, so I don't know. I, this is terrible. I'm sorry. I think that it was like I was blinded by stereotypes or I was blinded by the Eurovision movie uh of course with Will Ferrell but I was really expecting Iceland to be this kind of ethereal haunting you know like uh 
song. And instead, they were like a straight up colorful 90s punk band. And I lived. It was so fun. It was really fun, but not at all what I was expecting. I thought they were going to come out full wind machine with chiffon dresses and like, you know, ethereal haunting music. So there's some interesting things about polypunk. Um, So two of them um, are teachers. So the guys in blue and red, they're primary school teachers. Crazy. And then the guy with a beard in the purple um, tracksuit. He, at the time, was an MP, a member of parliament um, in Iceland for the uh, Bright Future Party. And in 2017, he was actually the Icelandic health minister. What? Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's true. Okay, more questions. So we had uh, a message from Matt, whose voicemail we read in our mini episode last week. And he uh, he did say, uh, how fun would it be if, you, as you suggested, Chris, like the US were to join Eurovision and they would have like Lady Gaga or something come, come and perform. But is that even a thing? Like, do they have to be amateur performers or can, could they send professionals? Uh, they can send sort of known people. Um, the UK have in the past. So um, there was a boy band. I don't know if you ever made it over in Canada called Blue. Ever heard of them? No. They were a big boy band in the early 2000s. I couldn't name a single song because it's not my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sent uh, Bonnie Tyler. You must know Bonnie Tyler. Yes. Yes. Total Cuts of the Heart. Bonnie Tyler. We sent her. We didn't do very well with her. Really? We sent... Um, Grandma's favourite, Engelbert Humperdinck. I do know who that is. Yeah. And when do you think we sent Engelbert Humperdinck? When? Yeah. When do you think we sent Engelbert Humperdinck? I mean, I'm going to say like past his prime. So like, mm, 98. 2012. Come on. That's so far past his prime. That was a bad decision, I'm assuming. Oh, we, we bombed. So crazy. You know what I am discovering, though, is that, like, I feel I feel like Eurovision is not intended to give you songs that you're going to pop on the radio and listen to casually while you're, you know, hanging out with friends. or Speak for yourself. That sort of thing. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess in, my, in terms of my tastes and sensibilities, like, so Rise Like a Phoenix, for instance, that is not a song that I would listen to under any, you know outside Eurovision circumstances. Yeah, I, 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 I do agree with you. It's not my cup of tea at all. Right. I ranked that performance highly at number three. Obviously, uh, it was ranked higher by by others because it, it won. Um, but I ranked it only as high as number three because of Conchita's performance and command of the stage. I thought that the um, the use of the, you know, the lights and props and whatever was used very, very effectively. But the song was not my favorite song. No. Um, but yeah, in, in any case, I do think that like Eurovision has that something special or Eurovision unique that it requires that's beyond just commercial uh, popularity, like, you know, a, a pop song might be on the radio, which may be why, you know, some more professional artists uh, aren't necessarily doing as well as Iceland, for instance, which is made up of like school teachers and an MP. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only there's only something like three hundred and fifty thousand people on the whole island of I- Iceland. Wow. Yeah, I mean, when I was looking at um it, into research for when we did the movie episode, because I was looking at you know when everyone's in the bar in a pub, not watching mm-hmm. Eurovision, 
it was watched by 98% of people. Or 98% of TVs were all watching Eurovision Song Contest. Wow. So I looked into the numbers. I was like, hang on, 98%? But that's a very low number. So then I Googled the population. I found it was like 358,000. I was like, there's more people in London. That's so crazy. (laughs) And then I wonder too if there's like, you know, voting blocks. If there are certain... um, you know, if there's any kind of like relationships or politics between countries that would go into the voting, I did notice there were a lot of boos for Russia in yeah, this. Yeah, and that's that's sad because as dubious a country as Russia is on human rights issues, the thing to remember is uh, those two twins. Interesting fact: they actually represented Russia previously in the Junior Eurovision Song Contest um, in 2006 when they were nine. Wow. Yep. That's that is so young. They um were Eurovision um veterans, but um the booing actually resulted in the development for the following year anti booing technology they called it, trying to oh, rub really? the booze. But I'm it, not surprised. I mean, that was horrible. like. It is, yeah, because of course those performers are not responsible for the um. You know, let's, let's face it, the the actions of Russia in 2014, which is when uh, Crimea was annexed, is uh, probably what was resulting in the booze and not anything to do with the performance of those of those twins. But it did make me think, I mean, is is there more to the voting beyond the performance itself? Um, I did actually notice and maybe this was just me, but it seemed as if the booing uh, became significantly less by the end of the by the end of the the show yeah i think so most like, people got out of the system eventually right i didn't know if like were they reprimanded was there like an announcement made that the the booing needs to stop because when the presenter for russia was giving their points i mean the booing almost drowned them out entirely yeah. it was it was significant it, it's an unpleasant thing that's happened previously um so yeah now we have anti-booing technology not all it's not used every year i think it definitely definitely was used in 2015 in response mm. to what happened there. Um, but it's not nice. The only times I like to see Russia booed is when there's been years when they've tried so hard, they've thrown everything, including the kitchen sink, because they're like, we desperately want to win. And you can see it. Yep. They've tried everything. And just from a complete schadenfreude moment, it's like, ah, you didn't. Yeah. And that's why I don't mind. <laughs> if it's actually related to the performance yeah. itself, then, then it's you like, don't mind. You, you tried too hard and look where you ended up. You didn't get what you wanted. <laughs> I would like to talk for a moment, if we could, about the different approaches of the um, the performers' use of, you know, props and dancers and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I feel like there was, like, a few different camps. There was, like, the ballads where it was, like, a solo, solo artist who was just sort of standing and singing. And then there were the groups, a lot of them, you know, like, boy band style groups where there was choreography that they did. That was, you know, pretty a pretty sort of straightforward um, performance like you would expect at a show. And then I there is this section that I feel is like the Eurovision, you know, unique uh, <laughs> style that mm. is the props, the random props that it's like, let's talk about this. Are, are we going to discuss the elephant in the room that we've managed not to mention yet? That hamster wheel! <laughs> It's real. You didn't that, believe you. You were no. surprised when you thought it was fiction. I was like, "Come on! I cannot believe that the Eurovision <laughs> movie 
like that disastrous <laughs> hamster wheel performance <laughs> is based on a real life Eurovision performance. Yeah. Obviously it did not go off the rails the way it did in the movie, but like, wow. And let's be fair. Would you, can you remember that, how that song goes? No. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> I, I, I know it because I've seen it, seen it so many times. I've listened to it so many times. But the song is all right. It's okay. It's not an amazing song. But it's no, an amazing I, performance. I ranked it pretty low, to be honest. But what is memorable for me is like, if you, I don't remember the song itself, but I remember the performance because of that hamster wheel. I know that Ukraine had a hamster wheel in their performance for no reason at all. It, I mean, like, last week when we talked about the uh, Georgian performance that did not make it, uh, so I was talking a little bit about how he's wearing a parachute and he's, like, you know, flapping his arms like wings. But at least, I mean, like, that made sense in terms of the lyrics of the song. But mm. did I miss anything? Or was, like, was the hamster wheel related to anything? No. <laughs> it's just fun. It was just fun to have a hamster wheel. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on that at all. No. I, I mean, the props is why we also have the postcards. So I want to bring, you uh, uh, bring up the postcards. So um, they said at the beginning of a show, uh, so the postcards are when the, um, have little 30 second videos okay, of the yes. acts recreating their flag in this year's uh, postcards. Uh, to represent their country, uh, weirdly enough, Ukraine's uh, postcard was made by popping post-it notes on a train platform. It's like, I, 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 how's this? What's this telling me about Ukraine? You've got trains or post-its? And I was like, things have changed significantly since 2014. Because all I can think about is <gasps> the waste, the <laughs> waste of it all. Yeah, you can't use all that paper for no reason. Romy and Michelle will not be happy that they're abusing their product. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so the props are the reason? Yeah, basically. So they've got a 30-second turnaround from act to act. I mean, can you imagine a nightmare of getting <sighs> the Georgian act on stage in 30 seconds with that massive um, parachute? Right. The full band. It must be a nightmare. I I'd love to see the show in real life so I can see how they manage it. Yeah, yeah. Like, have you ever seen? Um, they sometimes post uh, on Saturday Night Live, which is uh, a, a show that I am obsessed with, and I love to see the kind of behind the scenes stuff of how they make it work on a live yes. broadcast. But as a complete aside, it's really interesting that they sometimes show like two and three minute clips of of uh, how they break down sets and rebuild them between commercials. I have um, to look for that. No, I'm not seeing yeah, that. Yeah. They're really interesting. I wish they showed more of them. But you're right. I mean, like, to set the stage up in between those acts with no advertisement breaks, like, that's that's yeah. huge. Um, so one of the other props that really stood out to me was uh, the Romanian performance. They had, <laughs> they, they had that big circle keyboard. Yes. And then that I know... That is miming. <laughs> I mean, it was like he was just hand smashing at random. Oh, yeah. He wasn't even pretending to actually be playing. What's this the point? Keyboard? What's the point in pretending to actually play? You've got a I random keyboard. Where's the high notes? Where's the, where's the low notes? It's circular. It makes no I... <laughs> sense from a musical point of view. No sense at all. And I mean, I know from you, even if you had not told me that. <laughs> They don't play their instruments on stage. You would have figured like, out with that. I would have figured it out pretty quick <laughs> from this performance. It was just random, like, smash, smash. And then he would walk away from it while the keyboards were still playing in 
in the music. (laughs) But I will say that that song, the Romanian song, is the one. I scored it pretty low, to be honest. But that is the one song I could not get it out of my head. It has been in my head all week long. (laughs) Yes. Do you know the one? I do. I mean, what I would say is, as that song, it it sounded like a song from the noughties. Rather than song from 2014, it did sound dated. Yeah, I, I didn't, I did not score it highly. But it's weird how even, even songs, maybe even more so the songs that you're like, that's not my jam. It's just this like earworm that won't get out of your head. Yeah. And that's the one that won't leave me alone all week. It's like, a, I mean, like I said, I love Conchita's song. To yeah. me, it sounds like a, I've never seen a James Bond film, but to me, it sounds like a Bond theme. And loads of other people say that. You know what is is uh, crazy? I can absolutely see that for sure. Yeah. But without seeing anything, any comments, I did not uh, read anything or look at any tweets before I watched the show. And my notes uh, have that very same comment on the Russian performance. That the Russian song I thought sounded like a Bond theme song. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I feel like you could probably say that for a, a couple of them. But yeah. like, so okay, here are a few a few of my notes that were like, so Montenegro. Yes, most yet. Uh, I said that I thought that that I could see that song in like musical theater. It felt very musical theater to me. Yeah. My interesting fact about that song, uh, most yet means uh, my world. And okay. that, that song was co-opted by the Montenegrin telecom company. And it's used as um, the title and it's used in the advertisements for their roaming packages. It was my world. Oh, <laughs> that's smart. Yeah. Interesting. I did like that song. I ranked Montenegro, you know, middle of the pack. Not, um, you know, not too bad, but not in my top 10. Um, And then other ones that like, I don't know, they just kind of stood out to me as being kind of a throwback. There was definitely some, there was some throwback boy band vibes that I appreciated. I scored Denmark and Belarus, both of which had, you know sort of that 90s, early 2000s boy band feel. I ranked them both quite high. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sarah and I, we love cheesecake because we just like to uh, randomly, with no context, go, cheesecake! Yes, the footwork on the choreography, too. It Like, I loved it. And also, uh, the artist who is going to rep- be representing San Marino this year and will be representing San Marino next year, um, Senhit, uh, but Senhit recently covered Cheesecake, um, and it's absolutely mad. And it's, it's a—I mean, there's a very strong Black Lives Matter um, theme in the video. It's worth watching, but it's not what I expected Senhit to be doing. I, I will pop a link to that in the show notes because it's uh, worth yeah, checking out. I would be—I'd be very interested to see that. Yeah. And then there was also, you know, there were some kind of uh, old timey, like I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. You know, like stand-up bass style, old-timey, yeah. like Switzerland, Germany, Malta, who I, I ranked very high. Malta was number four for me, and I actually, I went back and forth on whether or not I liked them better to, better than Austria, which is an unpopular opinion wow. because they did very badly. Um, but I really loved Malta. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, you know, all the faces in the Maltese performance. There's 208 selfies. Uh, by Maltese uh, nationals used in the background for that performance. 
Oh, really? I loved that. It was really kind of, um, it was a real departure from the -the over-the-top spectacle that a lot of the other performances had. It really kind of felt lower key, more down to earth. Um, It's disappointing, honestly, that to know that they were not playing their own instruments live um, because I would have bought it. Unlike Romania, (laughs) I would have thought they were playing them live had I not known that nobody does. I know. Um, It's a shame that that, that um, circular keyboard was not more convincing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, But but yeah, so I ranked that one really, really high and it did not... It didn't do well. But you know what the other one is? Hungary. I ranked Hungary very low. And it scored really well. So, I mean, it was a bit of a crapshoot in terms of where I put my stuff. <laughs> yeah, Hungary song running. It, I don't love it particularly. It did well, but it doesn't... I, it didn't I, do it. I haven't got much of a feeling of like no real strong opinions about that song. It's, it's all right. Yes. That's as much as I can say. It's okay. Were there any in the rankings, Chris, that you were, like, really adamantly, like, opposed to? Or, you know, like me with Malta or with Hungary, when you saw the rankings come out um, in where the performances actually ended up, were there any that you were like, no, that does not make sense? Um, Polyponk should have been higher. No Prejudice, That's... an Icelandic song. It is such yeah. a good song, and... I mean, it did all right. It didn't do badly. 15, it's not terrible, but I think it definitely should have been a top 10. And the message in it is so important. Um, I don't know that I know what the message is. Well, the song's called No Prejudice. So it's about being a well, good person. definitely an important yeah. message. Let's do away with prejudice. Uh, don't discriminate. Tolerance is bliss. We got to get together on this. Cross this problem of our list. Oh, you know all the lyrics. Those are excellent, excellent (laughs) lyrics with a very good message. You're right. Um, I, I have to say that I did not really catch many of the lyrics in most of the songs. I actually turned the closed captioning on, hoping that I would be able to catch more. But um, the closed captioning just showed uh, music. (laughs) So, (laughs) but uh, that is something that I am particularly bad at. Is that I really, I really am not able to to catch lyrics easily unless I listen to a song many, many times over. I'm very much the same. Are you? Yeah, yeah. So I am. I am basing my opinion uh, primarily on you know the catchiness of the tune more so than the the meaningfulness of the lyrics. But you're right. I mean, it's too bad that I didn't. <laughs> I didn't pay more attention to that one because that is a very good message. I, I would recommend revisiting that song. Um, okay. And like I say, because I mean, those guys, two of them are school teachers. One was mm-hmm. an MP for a progressive uh, political party. It makes so much sense to be driving that good message yes, home it does um yeah um it was robbed <laughs> <laughs> interesting fact about also scoring's not really make being fair is the polish song uh we are slavic uh maswoviana i'm gonna get it right one day i wrote it phonetically <laughs> i'm like maswoviana and anyone who speaks polish will be like you are butchering our language. Please stop. Please <laughs> stop. just stop. Uh, but <laughs> it didn't get any points from either the UK or Ireland because the vote is split 50... At this point, the vote was split 50-50 mm. uh, with televote and the jury vote. Now, 
the public for both the UK and Ireland put that song first. Oh. But the juries uh, put it last. So they cancelled each other out oh. and they got no points from UK and Ireland. That's disappointing. Yeah. I, I was actually um, unaware that when they were awarding the points that it was a combined score. So I was surprised. I was like, oh, we're out of time. You know, <laughs> like I thought there was still going to be a popular vote coming in after these ones. So obviously I know now, but at the time I wasn't aware that these counted for both. Yeah. So behind the scenes, there's some tallying going on that is the the judges waiting is just as heavy as the public's call-in waiting for this uh, year. Uh, in 2014, yes, that was the case. And interestingly, mm-hmm. in the case of George's points, uh, George's jury points were completely disregarded and it was all public votes because... Um, all the jury members had given exactly the same points from 3 to 12, which is statistically impossible. Oh. There had been some conferring going on. Mm-hmm. And the EBU yeah. were not happy about that. Not not having that. No. Nope. Well, good. I'm glad that was caught. <laughs> now that you mentioned Georgia, uh, we talked last week about uh, whether you would have the chance to kick one performance off of the finale so that Georgia could have made it. Did you give any thought to who you would kick out? I did. Uh, who? S- Slovenia, round and round. Yes. What a waste of three minutes of my life. <laughs> I scored Slovenia very low. I might have actually scored them the lowest. Um, yes, they were 26 <laughs> out of 26 for It's me. rubbish, isn't it? It's just a bad song. I'm sorry, Slovenia. I'm sure you've tried very, very hard to. And the worst thing is, I know I've listened to it multiple times because I've often listened to the 2014 compilation um, playlist on Spotify. And I don't skip a song because I pretty much love any Eurovision song. There are still songs I skip, but I'm sure I've listened to it multiple times. I've multiple plays on my Spotify, but I really can't stand it. it. And it took a place from Georgia. And I'm bitter about it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I will say now that. Like now having watched the entire performance and then thinking back onto Georgia's performance, like last week without really any context to make this decision, I was saying I can see why they didn't make it because I wasn't a big fan of the song. But to be honest, there were multiple songs in the finale that I wasn't a huge fan of. But now putting the whole thing into context where it's not just about like, hey, would you would you put this song on the radio and listen to it on your drive for work? Like that's not not the be all and end all of whether or not a song is good enough for Eurovision. It's also, I don't know, it's like, it's the presentation, it's the performance, it's the charisma of the performers. And um, I think Georgia was, you know, would definitely have given some of these other ones a run for their money. Yeah. I liked that song better than some of the ones I saw in the finale. So my, my question for you would be, let's talk about the big five and the host country. Okay. Because obviously they had a, a, a free pass to the final. Yes. Um, so I think that they're, they're sort of six um, songs to have a quick look at. What did you think of them? So uh, let's start with, you, we've already discovered the De- Denmark song, cliche love song. I mean, that's a bomb. Yeah. I think that would deserve the final space. I, I um, scored that in uh, my top 10. So yeah. I was I was happy with that one, yes. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good song. It's a bit cheesy, but I like a bit of cheese when it comes to Eurovision. Yeah, I don't mind the cheese. Yes. Yeah. Um, or the UK, Molly, Children of the Universe. So I uh, I have them at number 11. Now, <laughs> Thank you, bearing, Canada. 
Okay. <laughs> um, so bearing in mind, I will say that I gave a lot of time and attention to my top 10 and then everything after the top 10 where I was not going to be like, you know, quote unquote, awarding points. Um, I didn't put a lot of effort into like, you know, whether or not it's, it was essentially, do I feel like this is middle of the pack or do I feel like it's low? Yeah. So I put it middle of the pack. Um, I liked the song a lot. I did not love the performer as much. So Molly herself, I didn't think carried yeah. as much weight as the song could have given. I, I don't know if you have like a similar thing in Canada, but to me, she seems like the sort of middle class, um, well brought up girl who goes to festivals and is really at one with herself, <laughs> maybe once in a gap year, travelled to India, really found yes. herself. I get that vibe with her. Do you? Yeah. You're like a little flower crown. Uh, and, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely yeah. flower crown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't feel like she had much presence. She wasn't commanding the stage. To be honest, I was more impressed with her backup singers yeah. um, than I was with her own voice. And... Um, I mean, so uh, I think that they definitely deserve to be in the finale. Yeah. Uh, but they did not make it to my top 10. Uh, Germany, Ila Isa, is it right? Now, you've already said that one with the, um, you know, the upright bass. I like that yes. because it's a bit folksy. Um I love a folksy vibe. You know this about me. Yes. I put them middle of the pack. I'm not mad at them getting getting a spot in the finale at all. No. Um, Italy, Emma. La mia cita. I Ugh. put them pretty low. Yeah, pretty low. that was a, a womp womp for me. It's yes. it was dated kind of indie girl rock, but in Italian. I said it. It was a very <laughs> generic, run of the mill rock song. I thought she looked amazing. I loved oh, yeah. the look. I love um, the styling, but uh, I didn't love the song, and I didn't think her performance was you know was. Uh, you know, the best of the bunch. So I put them, I put them in terms of like high, middle, low. I put them low, um, but not the lowest of that bunch. Okay. Uh, penultimate one, Spain, Ruth Lorenzo, Dancing in the Rain. I think it was unfair on her backing singers. She had four backing singers, none of which were on stage. And it was just all of her. It's like the backing singers were doing a lot of the heavy lifting in that song. Yeah, I did not love this. No. I put it low. Yeah. I didn't think that, um, I didn't think that she... It was weird. It, it didn't connect. It was a little... Pardon me? It didn't connect for me. No, it didn't connect for me either. Uh, so, like, with ballads, I put in my notes that ballads are not generally my jam. That's not what I would listen to. But... I scored a lot of them very high because they gave an emotional impact. They gave me chills. Yeah. They evoked a feeling in me that, you know, that made me score them high. What but you sometimes they... find is the, uh, what's called the Balkan ballads. So like the Eastern European countries often send ballads. And they're the ones oh. that do get you, you know, there in your heart. In the fields. Yeah. But then, so yes, okay, so um, I scored a lot of them very high, but then a lot of them quite low because when they don't connect, when I don't get that emotional impact, I find ballads pretty boring. Um, so Norway, I, sc I scored quite low. They had a ballad that ultimately did very well in yeah. the top, they, number eight, I think. Yeah, but I, scored I, them I can low. it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's fine. Yeah. That's as big as an emotional control. It, it's fine fine yes well i felt similarly about spain i thought it was meh it was not one that really connected with me yeah. one uh on a quick side note before we go to the you know to the next one in the 
in the six. Uh, Azerbaijan was a really high scorer for me. Uh, that was a ballad that I felt the chills when I listened to, and yeah. they did not score well at all. No, and I love the uh, aerial performer for Azerbaijan, Starter Fire. Yes. It's, that held, held my attention, and that's what gets me through that song, because that's what kind of draws me to that song, is the performance again. That's what makes it more memorable for me. And now I can mm-hmm. actually, on the start of fire bit, I think yeah. without me having the interest of the area performer, because I love circus as well. Um, sure. I love magic and circus. You put magic or circus into a Eurovision performance, I'm happy. <laughs> They've got you. Yeah. Um, last of the big five, France, twin twin, moustache, moustache, I can't say it, moustache. <laughs> Um, I did not score them well, but I didn't score them dead last. They no. came in very, very low, but I thought it was quite fun. I put in my notes that uh, I thought it was fun. It felt like summer. Like, that's a summer jam that I would put on. I would legitimately, like, put that on while I'm hanging out. Um, but it did not feel at the same caliber as as the other performances. No, it was um not what... I mean, obviously, I I know what song I'm going back, but I think... Compared to other songs that France sends, it was not very France at all. And I've, I wonder oh, really? if that's why it bombed so well. French, the France usually send the most French song that ever was French. Right. <laughs> They're like, oh, we should send this song, it is very French. We don't like it, we don't care. Oh la la, sacre bleu. Yes. Um, that's my very good French impression. I um, thought it was great. I think I could uh, get by in the French-speaking parts of Canada, don't you? <laughs> yes. Just go the... ooh-la-la and sac bleu and just talk, just do French noises from cartoons. It's fine. <laughs> in Canada, though, the French is very fringlish. You, uh, if you pepper in a bunch of English words with like uh, a little French in between, be like, oh, you must be from northern New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that song, to be fair, uh, Mustache has grown on me from hearing it back in 2014. I can now hear a bit of a scar sound, and as I've said to you, I love scar music. Mm. That was clear upstrokes mm. happening. They're they're touching on scar, so it's grown on me since I've noticed that. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it. This was one. This was. It's. It's a song that I really liked personally. This was a song that is like. Like I said, I feel like it's a bit of a bop that I would listen to in my day to day. And a lot of the songs that I scored higher than this one are are not those. I, I ne- I'm not going to put on a ballad uh, to, you know, to hang out and have a drink like. But um, in terms of the Eurovision miss of it all, they didn't uh, they didn't bring the goods compared no. to some of the other performances. Um, yeah. So. So those are uh, those are the ones that were that were sent straight to the finale, right? Yeah, and they uh, as a big five and the hosting country free pass to the finale. Yes, yeah, there weren't any ones I don't think that really stood out to me to say, um, you know, they should not have made it. Uh, but I mean, clearly, maybe there are some other people who would have a different opinion, uh, given that France finished dead last. Yeah. Uh, Italy finished 21st. The UK finished um, 17th. That's, so, that's a good finish for us in recent years. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's really good for the UK like, as of lately. Well, yeah, I mean, so it was a little bit all over the board. I think you could maybe make the argument that if they didn't get a straight pass to the finish, there might have been some room for for other semifinalists. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, are there any other songs that you want to um, discuss further from uh, this year? Uh, I don't think. I think that I've touched on all of my big favorites. I've talked about the ones that I was surprised that scored as well as they did because I didn't love them. Particularly um, Hungry was was one that I really didn't score well. Um, overall, five out of my top ten were in the top ten uh, for the voting. And the other five um, that uh, that finished in in the official top ten were in my very bottom. So, <laughs> so I guess that's that's Eurovision. Yeah. Um, so I think that I I do think that that uh, kind of it covers all of my big favorites and biggest surprises. And overall, I loved it. Yeah. So that's the uh, songs over in the week, but that's only halfway through the show, isn't it? We've still got more spectacle to come. Right. Um, now, one of the things that Eurovision is now famous for is the performance halfway through. So you might want to call it a halftime show, the interval act, um, whatever you want to call it. That is something mm-hmm. that people look forward to in Eurovision. Last year, um, in Israel, we had Madonna. Oh. In 2014, we had some people with stepladders. I know. I didn't. I thought maybe were they past Eurovision? Nope. They were a theatre group. Performers? Uh, no, it's actually really hard to find any information about them because they're a theatre group called Momoland, which is also the oh. name of a K-pop girl group in recent years. Oh. And you know how K-pop <laughs> is with the internet. It just swarmed yeah. the internet. <laughs> and finding anything out about Momoland was nigh on impossible. What I like is that when you can see them being held up by the... Uh, the back of their collars on the uh, lines. Yeah. Okay, well, I didn't think much of it, to be honest, because I didn't know that under normal circumstances, the halftime show has, like, Madonna-caliber performances. That's um, only so recently, I, to be fair. I just assumed that this was, you know, a past Eurovision performer. Are they from Denmark? Uh, they are, yes. So, yeah, maybe is it the host country is generally um, where the performer would be, would be from? Not necessarily. So... Um, Three I can think of. Um, so, Ireland famously brought Riverdance to uh, the world. Have oh, you heard yeah. of Riverdance? I have. Yeah, so Michael Flatley, I believe, is American. Yes. Uh, but he's doing Irish Speed dancing. Of flames. Yes. Um, I can't remember which year off the top of my head, but we've had uh, Justin Timberlake. Oh. Famously not European. No, he's not. And I'd say, uh, as much as Madonna wishes she was British... She is not from um, she does Israel. Try with the accent, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so Momo land at the top of ladders, uh, singing their own lyrics to uh, Beethoven's Ode to Joy. That happened. Choices, choices, choices. <laughs> Interesting choices. Uh, uh, and then we had the really awkward song about the number twelve, sung by the hosts. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I I think I like made a coffee or something during that section. Like I stepped away. <laughs> it, it's um, ooh. I mean, I have opinions on that. Um, I mean, they talk about number twelve and how important it is, and they can think of about three things it's important with. So, twelve men who stepped on the moon. It's true. Uh, the twelve-step Minnesota model, which is um, a bit deep because that's a reference to the Alcoholics Anonymous addiction recovery process. Oh, so yeah. Deep, deep and cut. then they also say the twelve nights of the round table, which is debatable because it could be one hundred and fifty to twelve, even more. You know, <laughs> no one really knows how many nights of the round table there may have been. 
But then we go into uh, the host, because this was a year it was broadcast in China. Uh, but that obsession with China is like, so one of the looks is dim sum, deep fried, everything stir fried, great wall, spring rolls, gong, gong, ni hao, ping oh, pong, Jesus. fireworks, dominoes, chopsticks, opium. That's oh. verbatim quote from the lyrics. Um, oh, God. And then when um, the Chinese obsessed character, so he's obviously a character, he's not, you know, it's been written for him, but he should have, mm. again, it comes to choices. When they, um, when they sing about the uh, 12 amazing men who have walked on the moon, they sort of have that line again. And then that guy says, Banky Moon in backing vocals. And he goes, he's not from China, you know. What? He's from South Korea. And he looks at the picture and goes, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, oh, are you really sure <gasps> oh. you should have done that? That's terrible. It's I missed awful. all that. I'm not going to lie. That's terrible. It's so bad. Not aged well. I mean, it wouldn't have been a good idea no. at the time. You know, it's only 2014. It's not, you know, 1990. No, I mean, so true. And yet it's so crazy. Even just looking back uh, at, I don't know, shows and movies from as recent as 2014. I mean, like, there's some, like, Friends episodes and stuff where you're like, Jesus, like, how did they get away with saying that stuff? Yeah. That's great. I did actually, I read a little bit about um, about the show after I had all, after I had finished watching it. And I heard that there was, um, you know, there, there was thought that there might have been some controversy about Conchita and whether or not that she would be featured in some of the more conservative countries, um... Uh, broadcasts and uh, there was petitions uh, a, about against having her in it. You're kidding! I did not. No. I didn't know. I know that, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that's what they're they're referring to. Yeah, and, and also, um, Aram MP3, who was the Armenian contestant, he made some um, choice comments about Conchita. He said that uh, she needed to decide whether either to be a woman or a man. Oh God! Yeah, and saying that her lifestyle was not natural. Was a shame that's I really like his song, but oh, not a yeah, nice fella. That's, I mean, that is tough. That is very tough to like. I mean, it definitely changes how I feel about. I don't know. I mean, I scored Armenia high, and suddenly I'm like bottom of the pack because <laughs> that's not okay. Um, Go to hell. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how nice is it to see that? I mean, her reception yeah. and obviously her overall scoring was was very good it was very high i could tell even before um the performances even started so at the very beginning of the show when everyone was walking out one by one and announcing their country from the fan reaction i knew that she was a front runner yeah um because uh she had an enormous applause so it was nice to see that although there was uh an unwarranted controversy about her participation that ultimately Good one out in the end, yeah, and and, uh, and she did brilliantly. As a rule, overall, uh, Eurovision is a safe space for LGBTQIA people. So that is a, it is a safe space. Um, good, good. Other than the minority. Right, yes. Well, um, yeah, that was uh, quite a show. I can't wait to see more. Uh, is there anything else about, about the 2014 Eurovision that we should touch on? Um, some of the weirdness in the green room. Before oh, they... I don't know that I saw any of this either. Oh, you, you didn't tell see... me, tell me. So, some of the awkward hosts... So, we, you know, I talked some of the, when we talked about the film, the awkwardness between the two hosts. Yes. 
there was some real awkwardness in the green room um, when they were sort of filling time. So again, it's time when it would have gone to adverts in other countries. Right. Um, so the Maltese band, um, they are given a full English breakfast by the host with hot dogs instead of sausages, which is really weird. Molly's, what? Molly, the UK act, she's told that she loves this particular cake. And you can oh, tell. I see that. Yeah. And it's really awkward, that one, especially because she's like, do I? And then she's like, and I know all about your grandma and save a slice for her. It's like, this is really weird. And then with a um, uh, twin twin and they're told, do you recognize this restaurant? And they go, no, <laughs> this is your favorite restaurant. It's like, oh, of course it is. Oh, God. <laughs> it was terrible. Okay, I have a confession. I suffer uh, from self-diagnosed secondhand embarrassment and <laughs> it makes it very hard for me to watch live tv under usual circumstances so live interviews um live broadcasts of really anything even like late night talk shows and ho- and stuff where it's not um it's not live it's actually recorded but it is unscripted and so people have a tendency to put their foot in their mouths or embarrass themselves or whatever. So I get really cringy secondhand embarrassment from that stuff. And I generally walk away when it's happening. I love so it. I, oh no, I can't I'm messy. take it. Oh my God. I cannot take it. So I, I think that I took this opportunity to like get some snacks or something. Cause I'm seeing, I did see bits and pieces of this, but I didn't sit down and watch it uh, with full attention the way I did the rest of the show. So how interesting did you find all the points giving? Um, I, I, I found it very interesting because I found that there were, um, just in terms of like my, my own points of wording, there were some countries that, you know, were very aligned, not only with the top three, but when I look at the full top 10, they were very aligned with the way that I felt. And then there were others that it was like, were we watching the same show? Like, I don't understand how you scored (laughs) So completely differently than I did. So um, Azerbaijan was the first country to award points. Yes. And so this was my first experience seeing points being awarded on a show. And I got very nervous because I was like, (laughs) I clearly I don't understand Eurovision because I could not be more different from the points they have awarded. So like Chris is going to be like, you're useless, Kim. You can't do this anymore. You don't get it. <laughs> um, but then as the scoring went on, I saw like, okay, it's it's a little bit of everything and not everyone's going to agree with what you think is best. How, how do you feel when the uh, people giving us scores sing or even worse in Finland's oh, case, no. rap? I made myself watch this. I did not walk away as I did with the cringy host (laughs) stuff, but it was hard. I had a hard time not wanting to fast forward the absolute cringe. (laughs) That was all of them. When um, me and friends, uh, we, we, uh, well, my friends recreated the 2020 contest that never happened. Oh, that's fun. Sarah Sarah and I, we watched from home and we get, we sort of submitted our scores online and it was all done live. Uh, on like you not youtube but a similar thing like youtube Mm -hmm. and then we actually skyped in to give our awards award our scores and our points and i was like i'm gonna and it was a drinking game as well so one of them criteria for like a classic eurovision drinking game is the spokesperson sings so when i gave my top 12 points i sung a lyric from the from it i was like (laughs) i'm gonna get one of those classic eurovision tropes 
of singing. Oh my God. Chris, the next time you do this, like zoom me in. I want to participate <laughs> in this. It sounds so fun. Also, you were probably hammered by the end of it because there was a lot of cringy singing in these presentations. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I love the terrible, awkward moments. So when they talk over each other, it's hilarious. Oh, I know. The delays oh, so when they just awkward. stand there, just staring at the camera, waiting to hit, get a sign to start giving their points. It's wonderful. Oh my god! Do you know what the worst <laughs> slash most amazing part of the presentations were? It was Spain when Spain was like, Spain was like, and our eight points go to. Like the longest <laughs> awkward silence, they just left it hanging oh. forever. And then, like, the host had to be like, The suspense is killing us, Spain. Like, <laughs> tell us your points, please. Oh my God, it was funny. You're not Simon Cowell. Quit it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah, it was very funny. Um, slash cringy with embarrassment so so overall i know it's not your favorite song do you think austria was a deserving winner yes i do i think austria was a very deserving winner i am not at all surprised uh that conchita won to be perfectly honest like when i was giving the score the points um it was kind of like a like a two-sided point system that i was awarding what i wanted the points to be based on my own personal preference versus what i thought would be the likely winner so although i awarded netherland my top points and sweden was my number two not austria um i did have a very strong feeling that i thought Austria would win and uh, and I think it was well deserved I think that her performance was the best performance yeah. her song just wasn't my favorite song pa very powerful performance yes um, yeah. from the heart uh, and, and that voice oh what can't argue voice. with that no. yeah and we can pop your votes and your points in the show notes yes you bet awesome sure I I'm going to enjoy reading through them because I've got an idea of how you voted but I don't know all the details so I'm looking forward to reading that Perfect. I will send them to you. Yes. Um, so I think that wraps it up for the 2014 contest. Uh, next I time. I think it does. We'll be discussing, as I said earlier, we'll be discussing 1957, uh, an hour long contest, all in black and white. It's going to be so different. This will be a real change of pace uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> compared to the 2014, I'm sure. So that will be fun too. I'm looking forward to it. And this one's going to be brand new for me as well. All oh, that'll be fun. We'll both be experiencing it. Because when I wanted to do the 1956 one, but as I said, it's it's all audio and just stills from the show. So I was like, yeah. it's not going to get the full vibe. So go not as early as possible to see where Eurovision has come from compared to where it is today. I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, change in tone. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so with all that in mind, uh, we're going to wrap up there. Please follow us on Twitter. We're at um, Think About Euro. And... Today, I bought a domain name. We have a website, thinkabouteuro.vision. Nice I was job. so happy when I saw that domain. I was like, thinkabouteuro.vision. Perfect. I love it. Good job. Yes. Um, so, I, feel, I feel so official. I know. So up there, there's links to a playlist I've done on Spotify, which will accompany each uh, of the main episodes about the songs in order as we talk about them. Perfect. And other interesting songs that might link into what we've discussed as well. Um, there's links to all the podcasts and all the show notes there as well. 
Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. And thanks everyone for listening. Yes. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a positive review. Uh, subscribe, like, everything helps. It just helps us get noticed. Yes, it does. Tell your friends. Everyone who loves Eurovision should be listening. <laughs> if you see a dirty car, right, think about Eurovision in the windscreen in the dirt. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, Chris, for anyone who might be interested in uh, catching up on a little drag race chat with us, do you, wanna, do you want to uh, ha- do a little recap on, on drag race? Yeah, so stick with us after the theme tune and we will discuss Drag Race, uh, Canada's Drag Race and RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. Oh, I can't wait. Bye. Bye. La 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 So, All-Stars. Now, you've just told me something I wasn't aware of. The last episode of finale of Drag Drag Race All Stars Five has not aired in Canada yet, so you are avoiding spoilers, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because so- I did hear that um, Netflix uh, used the like the picture of the winner as the icon for the last episode. So I am avoiding at all costs. Though no, at time of recording, the uh, the the finale of All Stars has not been aired in Canada yet. So I'm behind you. So so um. Let's. I obviously I know something you don't. So right? who do you think's gonna win, and who do you want to win? I think that Shay is going to win. I want Jujubee to win. Um, although I am not at all disappointed with the top three. The top three finalists are also my top three that I would have said day one. Same. Um, yeah. I, I would. So, have, I I would not have been sad if Rue had done a triple crowning. I don't think it's much no. of a spoiler to say there is not a triple crowning. no although i do i hate it so much when they end up doing ties or there was that one christmas special where it was like everyone's a winner like i was like this is you get to win you get to win you (laughs) get to win oh rue oprah get Um, off the fence (laughs) rue yeah exactly uh so i'm not disappointed to hear it's not a three-way tie i do think that um sometimes with the drag race as with any kind of scripted reality show uh or you know you know not scripted per se but you know what i mean like a contest show like this the the edit can sometimes uh sort of like tell a story and i do feel like the story that they are telling is the redemption of shay who went through um you know a bitter loss uh in season nine that she obviously took very hard and now she is like a phoenix from the ashes she rose like a phoenix that's right exactly (laughs) how perfect um uh yeah so i do think that the uh the edit is showing us that shay is going to win and i do not think it's undeserved like honestly drag race has such a great community and camaraderie amongst the queens but even amongst you know an already tight community shay is just like the loveliest person she's so nice so nice so genuinely nice all Um, all top three were so nice there was no yeah. shady queens in the top. I agree. I loved them all very much. I think that Shay is very deserving uh, if she is, in fact, the winner, which I think she is. Um, and she is an exceptional drag queen. Yeah. So uh, I think they couldn't go wrong with any winner, but I do think that it's her. Now, I, I did um, actually go into the finale being spoiled because Sarah and I, we've been watching on the World of Wonder app, but it's been really laggy at times and like 
lips the lip sync's going out of time. So oh, I decided okay. I was going to watch it on Netflix Uh-oh. for the final episode because I didn't want the lip sync at the the lip sync for your, your legacy to Damn be out it. of sync. Netflix. And I went online and to make sure see they want to see if it was up there already. Mm. And there was a winner, top of the banner. Damn it. With her fierce uh was it fierce drag jewels scepter? Oh my god, Netflix. Yeah. How how can you be so ridiculous? So you were talking about before in the uh, main content of the episode, you're feeling embarrassment for other people. So yes. Blair doing stand up. The secondhand embarrassment was oh, real. But and if I, I can just recreate the Foley. Oh my god, yes. I had to look away. Oh, I had to look away. Flapping her notes near them with a microphone under her arm, flapping the notes onto the microphone. I know. Oh. I just realized the audio right now in my recording is going to sound really muffled uh, just a moment ago. It's because I literally hid my entire face <laughs> behind my hands because I was so embarrassed by that. And I was a little bit annoyed with the edit of that episode because I really feel that they manufactured this narrative that Blair was funnier this season than she actually yeah. was. Blair was cringy all season long. She's not a funny queen. She's no. gorgeous, but she isn't funny. And the whole episode, they were building it up as if this was going to be some kind of surprise that she bombed. Like, I knew from go she was going to do bad. I, th- I think that when she was um, doing her sort of practice run with Ross and, oh, I can't remember her name, uh, Jane Kwiatkowski, Qu- uh, um, yeah. she had the one good joke about, Ross is so gay. How gay is he? That yes. was it. Right. I think she only had that one funny one, and that was good. And then he didn't. She either didn't do it, or more likely they cut it in the edit. Yeah, I just i I think that in order to cause some level of uncertainty about, or like to to create the appearance of uncertainty about who the top three were going to be, I think that they manufactured through an edit or through feeding people the talking heads when they interview people um, things to say. Like I I do think honestly that that type of pr- producing does happen in these types of contest shows, and uh, I I. I don't know what they were talking about if they expected us to believe that Blair was funny this season because no. she was cringe. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I was very happy to see that Cracker did not get in her own head and yeah. that she she delivered on the comedy challenge. And she did well as well, which I wasn't expecting. Yes. Yeah, she did great. But I mean, like, I do think that there is there is like shading in uh, in a way that's not mean. And she really like walked the line brilliantly and it wasn't just like you know, yeah. heckling people. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So All-Stars, I'm really excited to see the finale, but I do feel like it's going to be Shay number one, Jujubee two for the third time, and Cracker will be third place. Jujubee, a queen who's done three seasons of Drag Race and never been eliminated, and only had one <sighs> lipstick um, for her in the entire run of All-Stars. She, I mean, like, she is the perpetual miscongeniality. I do think that she is, like, although, you know, Shay would give a run for her money, too. But if Shay's going to be the winner, then Jujubee should be miscongeniality. Uh, but, yeah, she is, uh, she's a great queen and hilarious. She is who I found funniest. Right. So that's all stars aligned on the bat until you watch the finale. Yes. Canada's Drag Race. So we've yes. got two episodes to discuss here. So the first one, uh, last week's one, Not Sorry About It. You tell me, what did you think? Meh. Yeah. This is a song, it's... 
for, for me at the moment now, every song I hear on Drag Race, any season of Drag Race, has to compare to the Frock Destroyers. Break yes. it, bye-bye. That is the best song that Drag Race has ever turned out. Better than anything that RuPaul's put together. Better than <laughs> um, Hey Kitty Girl. Better than Read You, Wrote You. It is the single yeah. best Drag Race song. And you think this one just did not add up? It was... It didn't eh, stack up. No. I mean, the dis- it was like supposed to be a diss track, and there wasn't even that much shade or reading. No. It was... I mean... I will say, I, I don't think that it was the greatest uh, song that has ever been turned out by RuPaul's Drag Race and affiliated shows. But I I thought that the, I thought the caliber was pretty high. It wasn't the worst that I have seen either. I, I mean, and when you watch a finale of Drag Race All-Stars, you're going to see the worst song that Drag Race has ever turned out. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, well, I am, like... You might, anticipating but, that. <laughs> but let's not forget, you thought The Common Linux was a wonderful song, so there's no accounting for taste. That's right. We have <laughs> we have incredibly different tastes, so so that is true. Although we seem to align pretty well on Drag Race. Our favorites yeah. are are aligned. Yes. Um, but yeah, I thought the caliber was quite good. And although I did say in the first couple of episodes of Canada's Drag Race that I thought the caliber of Queens was not really at the level, I do think that they are improving. Yeah. I mean, they I think that they're uh, less seasoned in general, it seems, than uh, than the American version. Yeah. Um, Except but... Jimbo, because he's like as old as Chad Michaels, basically. <laughs> Right. But I have some thoughts on Jimbo. I still I still stand Jimbo. She is still my favorite, but I have some thoughts, critiques. Yeah, go ahead. Shall I? Yes. Okay. Okay, so I'm talking over the course of the of the two episodes now, yeah. right? Is that like okay. So um I did feel that uh Jimbo's lyrics in the song were not my favorite no. at all. Um, and I think that I don't, I don't generally like the kind of like, I don't know, gross, the like more grossy humor. Yeah. I like, I don't really care that much, but when she's like, take the piss and pop your zits and pee on it. I was like, we're going to talk about <laughs> pee twice in the same, like four lines, whatever. And then this is just a matter of preference, but I do uh, hope that she does some looks that don't have the huge breastplate. Yeah. I don't that... love the look of a breastplate. No. I mean, sometimes it, on her, because she's so clownish, it can look all right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I loved the hair look. That was great. But again, the breastplate yes. could have been smaller, I think. Yeah. I just, you know, like, I don't mind a breastplate. It is my favorite look. My, I I definitely like sort of a shaded illusion chest uh, best most of the time. I like a boy chest too. Yeah. Um, but but um, yeah, anyway. And then the last thing that I will say on Jimbo, where don't get me wrong, she is still my favorite of, you know, of the entire cast. But I was I was disappointed to um, to see that she wasn't more collaborative in the team challenge. Yeah. Um, I think that you know, she had a hand in things not going well for her teammates by being inflexible in what she was willing to, you know, work with them on. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think there's like definitely two ways to come at it. So I think Jimbo could have been a bit more collaborative, but the judges did say you're working as teams, but you're being judged individually. Yes. And you've got to, conv- like Brooklyn Heights said, it is a competition. Um, it, I, I didn't, 
I mean, you know, we uh, discussed last time about you thought you misheard me about the judges being mean. Yes. I felt Jeffrey was a bit mean to Jimbo uh, when he there was that comment about using your time better, and it was the comment was fine. It was a smize at the end of it. Um, yeah, sort of, it was a bit cunty. I agree. Like yeah. I, I saw a lot of people um, online who took real, real issue with the judging in that um, episode. That remark in particular, but then also in terms of the way the episode turned out, yeah. like who, you know, who was put in the bottom and who ended up going home. Um, I feel like unpopular opinion. I was fine with it. I, I was in line with the judging and I was also kind of not terribly mad at Jeffrey's comment. Yeah. Um, but I know that a lot of people didn't like it. Here's the thing, though, is that, like, one of my biggest pet peeves on Drag Race is when a judge gives feedback. And oftentimes, I don't agree with the feedback. I, you know, like, they're not the be-all and end-all. It's still subjective. So sometimes the feedback might not be something you agree with. But even when they don't feel the feedback is warranted, I still really dislike it when the queens backtalk and, like, give excuses and... I think Jimbo doing that was very mild in yeah. comparison to many examples that we've seen of that in comparison to Kine, for example. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind that the judges aren't putting up with that because there have been plenty of times that I wish Rue had or and other judges on Rue's panel had been harsher in shutting that down because yeah. I hate it. I mean, one thing Jimbo could have done rather than bring it to a time that he didn't paint his arms, he could have mentioned the fact that it wouldn't have been of the style of of um, uh, Marie Antoinette in yeah. that that region, that era of France. They would have just painted their face and neck. He could have just said it was an artistic choice, but he shouldn't have brought exactly. it to time. He should have said that was of the style, and that was. And he said he could have actually brought it to historical um, yes reference. You know, reference that that's what it was like. He could have done that. It was a mistake for him to base it on the time he had. I agree, and then I th- I honestly I feel like if. I mean, if he had just said nothing, I mean, ultimately, it was clear that he was not in danger of going home. It was clear that he was um, of of those remaining. So not the top group, but he was in the top of those that were remaining. So you're not always going to agree with the judge's feedback. And I think that you need to be like selective in when you're going to you know take the stand and i don't think that this one was one he needed to speak up about but i'm getting the um i don't know the impression that jimbo you know likes to have it perfect and then you know took issue that it wasn't seen as perfect but i also agreed with the judging that jimbo's her like when she does her makeup um i i I don't love the way she does her makeup most of the time. It's a bit caked on. It is, yeah. But yeah, she's one of those queens who can get a pass for it because she's so funny and entertaining. Agree. When she's going I to agree. be herself, when she's not, when she's just doing looks, she's not going to be herself. Yes, I agree, and and I think that like what happens throughout a season of Drag Race in its many iterations is usually is that those the the comedy queens learn to bring the fashion a yeah. little bit more and the the beauty and then the um look queens they find a funny side and they experiment with acting like i think that there is always a level of growth that you see throughout the season and so i think that where jimbo's journey needs to take her in my opinion is to like be able to turn 
a look um, that isn't always clownish. Yeah. Yeah. But all of that to say, still my favorite. <laughs> yeah, same. So I'm, I'm being very particular on her right now, but like still my favorite. And let's bear in mind, one of the greatest winners, Drag Race, American Drag Race, Bianca Del Rio, she came out in the same dress every episode in a different color. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not always going to be a look queen. Honestly, the comedy queens are usually the ones who make it make it furthest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so overall, um, I did not take the same issue with the judging that a lot of people did. So the other part of the judging was the decision to send home Tainomi Banks. How do you feel about that? She's been the bottom for three times in a row. It was her I time agree. to go. Yep. Yeah, you can't be in the bottom three times. Like, you can win two lip syncs, but I think it's only happened once in all the history of Drag Race that um, that someone was kept safe three three times in the bottom. Every time a queen says, I can be in the bottom every time and I will lip sync my way to stay in the competition, it's a Chekhov's gun moment. They're going in that episode. Yeah. Yeah, and so I do think there were a lot of people on Twitter who were saying that should have been uh, a double Shantae. And, it was a um, great lip sync. It was an excellent lip sync. I absolutely agree. But it's too early in the season for a double Shantae. They never do it this easy, this early. And I have to be honest that I really think that the reason why so many people are taking issue with Tainomi Banks going home is because she is a huge name. Yeah. And um, uh, it's unfortunate to see someone who uh, has such a huge, um, you know, career following, you know, to not perform well in the um, competition. And even the queens themselves, you could see, were very disappointed that she didn't do better. Um, yes. So, uh, so I think that ultimately the disappointment in her being voted off is not because she performed better and it warranted her staying. It was because I think people were disappointed that, um, that she didn't sort of live up to her reputation in the terms of Drag Race. No. But Drag Race is not always about who's the best. At one I don't thing. know. Dra- Yes, exactly. Who's the best drag queen that you'll go to see at a show? There's a it's a real roundedness that's required to perform well. And I think Boa is a great example of someone who it sounds like did not have a great reception in in terms of like her following in Toronto, but is doing very well on the show. I mean, you think like queens like uh, Sharon Needles, you know, she was not. I think when, when it was her season, that was like when it switched around from being like, it's just the queen who's best at doing hair and makeup and costumes. That's when it switched around between, oh, alternative queens can actually win this. Right. And and I find those to be the ones that are more interesting yeah. uh, personally. But, at the, but I do think you do need the ability to be able to turn it out in a way that is stylish and beautiful in addition to bringing all of the interesting quirks and comedy and acting. I mean, that's that's what makes Drag Race so hard, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I am loving uh, Lemon and Priyanka yeah. as well. Uh, last thing I want to bring up. You mentioned in the main podcast, SNL. What was your favorite yes, SNL love. skit? Um, I don't know that I can narrow it down to just one, to be honest. But um, I do have a real like soft spot in my heart for like the era of cast that was um, Andy Samberg, Kristen Wiig, you know, like that era. I love Stefan. Uh, I love the Target Lady. I love, oh, I love the Target Lady. 
<laughs> yes, um, but I don't know that I could narrow it down to just one. What what are you, what are your favorites? Uh, my favorites, and I'm Denise. Yes, <laughs> we've even got the tiny hands. Yes, I love that. I am like uh, a big fan of Kristen Wiig and yeah. everything that she does, but that one in particular is actually one so, of my favorites. So I think three, three of them that we watch religiously is well three types of ones because obviously there's multiple Dunices. yeah watch all of those uh the 1920s dinner party i don't even remember that one oh um, don't make me dance like, don't make me sing don't make me sing don't make, don't make me, me dance, dance. Yes. yes i know that one and also have you seen uh the worst invention ever or the most evil invention ever with uh dwayne the rock johnson i don't know remind me it's one where he um there's Evil scientists, and they're competing to make the most evil invention. Oh, yeah. I, yes. think, I think I have and seen And he this. makes a robot. Um, I, I, I'm going to pop it in the show notes. I'm not going to spoil you, because I, I, I'm going to send you the link as well. But I'll pop it in the show notes for anyone listening, so you're not going in spoiled, because I think it has one of the best punchlines. Really? I it's, feel like I've seen it. I just need a refresher. Yes, it's hilarious. Um, Okay, um, I am going to watch it. Although most SNL skits are not available to be viewed in Canada. So if it's not available, I'll have to track it down somewhere. Definitely don't look at VPNs. That's uh, my advice to not <coughs> wink, no, wink, never. look at VPNs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, too funny. We should get sponsorship uh, from VPN company now. <laughs> yes. Um, how did you feel about SNL at home? Did you watch any of them? I did and it fell a bit flat. I couldn't. It was, I mean, I tried so hard, but it was so... They tried. <laughs> it was cringy. Oh, do you know what one of my favorites is? Actually, it's um Kate McKinnon. Do you remember the painting of Jesus that was um, touched up by, like... Oh, yes, a Spanish um, uh, sort of home yeah. artist. Yes, I remember. Yes, it. and so she goes on Weekend Update to show, like, how she... Um, how she touched up the painting and it is like this atrocity with like a furry head and whatever i don't know that one was one of my favorite and she was like oh look and two his like black beady eyes he look like a shark <laughs> like, yeah. it, was, it was so good that was one that actually made me like laugh out loud yeah I, on the topic of topic of that um fresco being ruined i feel i'm sure i remember reading somewhere lately another person's tried to restore another sort of religious fresco and botched it so i'm not a that is a hundred percent accurate yes yeah. <laughs> i did see that <laughs> why do they keep letting amateurs touch these masterpieces i don't know just do what we do with banksy and put a bit of um clear plastic in front of it perfect yes <laughs> Okay, the last thing that I will say, just in like things that are bringing me joy this week, is that if you have not yet seen, um, what's the name of the guy who plays Superman? Uh, Henry Cavill? Yes. Um, if you have not yet seen him building a gaming computer in a tank top to the sounds of Barry Manilow, <laughs> then you should. Kid. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Barry Manilow? God, I'm so bad with names. It's like, essentially, it's like sexy music and he's building a computer and uh, it's hilarious. It took Twitter by storm for like 48 hours. So you should watch that. I will see if I enjoy it as much as you clearly did. Um, well, that is, uh, I think that's, that's it for like things you should watch and 
Kim's opinion. <laughs> yes. I think we should wrap up there now. Okay. So you can get I love back it. to watching Henry Cavill on repeat. I mean, I wouldn't mind. Like, <laughs> this isn't a punishment to me, Chris. I'll go at it all day. You'll take okay. one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much for the chat. This has been great. Yes. Uh, so just last reminder, next time we'll be covering the 1957 Eurovision Song Contest. Um, and I'll learn how to pronounce it in French because back then it was all in French. <laughs> that is crazy. I, I'm going to be testing my... <laughs> my my French comprehension yes. when watching this, I guess. Lovely. Right. Speak to you next time. Okay. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>